This is A-State Connections on KASU. I'm Jonathan Reeves. This is a weekly segment called A-State Connections and Create at State, Making Connections That Count. In this interview, I talk with Associate Professor of Finance and Director of Undergraduate Student Recruitment, Retention, and Engagement, Dr. Philip Tu. He's also Director of the Scarlet to Black Financial Literacy Program and the Center for Economic Education and Financial Literacy. I also talked to Alyssa Pettit. Alyssa is a freshman at Arkansas State and is majoring in finance. They're both working on a research project that's titled Rural Residents, Socioeconomic Factors, and Health Literacy. I started the interview by asking Dr. Tu about the project and how the idea for it came about. With the Scarlet to Black program, we have focused on improving financial literacy and financial wellness of not only students, but but residents of Northeast Arkansas. And and what we have found through different research and other research that's out there is there is a very strong link between health outcomes and financial outcomes. We have found that, you know, those who suffer financially are also more likely to suffer suffer health-wise. And so, one of the areas we're looking into is finding ways to improve people's health literacy. Um, I'm not a a real doctor, as my wife likes to tell people all the time. I'm a fake doctor. Um, I I, I don't give medicine or anything like that. So I can't help when it comes to making better, you know, medical decisions. But where we can help is, is to help improve our health literacy of our residents help them become better informed and making smarter healthcare decisions. Dr. Tu, why are those two things linked? Uh, Have you found why it is that those people who may have low financial outcomes may also have health disparities? Well, it's one of those things. We're not sure which one causes which. Um, It's a vicious circle. You know, what we have found is, is that as is not a shocking statement to make, people who struggle financially tend to have more stress. And people that have more stress tend to suffer health-wise. So, you know, we, we have that relationship there. And so, you know, it's the maybe stress is causing it. We also have the, the other issue is, is that with healthcare costs in the way they are, you know, if you are living paycheck to paycheck and you have an unexpected health care cost, that's going to drive you further into financial distress. So th- they both play on each other. Um, but most of it comes down to the stress level and not having a buffer. If you're middle class and and you, you know, you miss a you miss a day or you have to pay an extra hundred dollars for you know prescriptions or a doctor's visit you're able to cover that whereas if you're in poverty that hundred dollars may not be there and so what it may turn out to is you don't go to the doctor you don't go when you should and because you don't go when you should things get worse and as they get worse, we have that built in. And so now instead of going for something that could have been a two-day fix, now it may be a two-week fix. And so 
we have that struggle that continues. And we've heard the tragic stories where people have said over and over again, I had to make a decision between whether I was going to get groceries or get my medicine. Absolutely. Absolutely. The decision, I mean, you see it with diabetics. You know, do I choose my insulin or do my kids eat this week? Um, you know, that, that, that's something that happens. And it happens quite a bit. There are, you know, there are groups out there that are that are working with it. One of the examples I love to use when I talk to my classes is, uh, and I can't think of the name of the hospital in Boston, but it's their huge, basically charity hospital. If you're sick and, and don't have insurance, you go to that hospital. And what that hospital did was they actually have now built and created um, housing. They have built affordable housing where they're moving people that were homeless into these houses, into these apartments where they have nurses there and they have telehealth. And what they found was that if they have a nurse who can treat you at an early onset, it costs them less than you having to go into an emergency room and taking up a hospital space for two weeks. They found that it's actually cheaper long run to build these large affordable housing units than it actually was to treat there in the hospital. So we see that there are groups working on it, but it is, I mean, it, that's, that's in Boston. We're trying to work on it here in Northeast Arkansas. Right. Alyssa, I wanted to welcome you to the podcast as well. And I wanted to ask you about how you got involved in this project. Um, I think the first, like the very first I ever heard about even doing research in college was I think in my like freshman orientation when Dr. Chu was presenting about undergraduates doing research. And I knew I was interested when he talked about it. So um, when I started my, my fall semester, I told my advisor, Miss Two, I was like, I really want to do research. How do I get involved? So I talked to Dr. Two and I do it through the, um, the ABI program, the undergraduate research. There's a lot of letters there, I don't know what it's called. But, um, and there was several like proposals from different mentors, I think. And I liked um, Dr. Two's proposal about the connection between financial literacy and health literacy. And I want to go further into that. And Alyssa, what was it about that particular project that, uh, that really resonated with you? Um, I just think, I'm not really sure. I just, like, I know I want the research to have an impact somewhere. And um, I think just the connection between health literacy and the way that, like, college students use it was super important because I know with ours, we're going, like I said, health literacy, it's not just about, like, your understanding of health and medical terminology, but also like self-care and like personal fitness as well. So I think just like the application and being able to use and apply what we're researching for people. Dr. Philip Tu and Alyssa Pettit joining us here on the Created State podcast here on KASU. So Dr. Tu, kind of tell us about how this project is designed in the research part of that. And then Alyssa, I'll follow up with you about how, about kind of your role. Uh, in this. So Dr. Two, please. Sure. Um, what we started off with is we started off with a, a basic survey um, to try to go through and figure out what's really driving our, our students' health literacy. So we needed to figure out what health literacy meant. You know, part of it is the, the actual, not, do you have the knowledge that you need? Can you, you know, understand what these different terms mean? 
if someone tells you your blood pressure is 150 over 80, do you jump up and down and cheer or do you lay down quickly and call an ambulance? You know, it, we want to know, you know, do you understand that? Do you understand what it means if you have bipolar, you know, you hear someone's bipolar, what does that mean? And so that was part of it is determining knowledge levels. Another part is, was looking at our students' confidence when it came to making medical decisions. Um, I can tell you when I was an 18-year-old, 19-year-old, 20-year-old, I had no confidence when it came to medical. If I got sick, I called my mom. I was away at college. I was four and a half hours away from college. I, I did not have the, you know, she would say, okay, take two of these or go do that. I had no as my mother would tell you, common sense into what to do. Um, and so, you know, part of it is do, do students have the confidence that they need to be able to, if there is a medical issue, go take care of it. So our initial was looking at those two areas and, and finding out what is leading with that. So that that's kind of where we are now with it. Um, our goal is to expand this in the fall to all incoming first-year students where we have an idea for all of our first-year students um, right now we did a small sample of around 65 students just to kind of get an idea of where our students were and also to figure out are there some more questions we need to ask um, did we ask everything we needed to all right Alyssa, what was your role in this um I think where I started was looking into like what is health literacy because I'm a college freshman I really don't know that much about it other than like basic health classes in high school so where I started was just looking at different papers that kind of evaluated what is health literacy and then from there I helped with like creating questions for the assessment that we handed out to the 65 I think it was of the sample just coming up with different questions to evaluate health literacy and like I know when I was considering the questions, I was thinking like, what as a college student should I know? Should like other student, college students know as well for being able to have a good health literacy? And so like with the confidence levels and also like just ask, um, actual applications of health literacy, like being able to make your own doctor's appointments and like knowing how often you should, like how often and regularly you should be exercising in a week, different things like that. As you've been going through this, Alyssa, have there been some things that have surprised you or maybe some things that you uh, that, that you didn't really uh, understand that now it's it's all kind of making sense a little bit in, in, in helping with your research? Um, I think so. Yes. I mean, myself coming in, I didn't know several of the um, pieces of information that I've earned, first of all. So I've been able to increase my own health literacy and hopefully other people as well as they took the survey, I hope. Um, some of the surprising things I found. We, we, one of the things that to me kind of jumped out was one of the questions we asked was the, the family structure background. Where you came from when you, when you graduated high school? Did you come from the nuclear family, mom and dad? Did you come from the divorce family? Did you have a single parent? Were you raised by someone other than a parent? Um, you know, there's a, a lot of thought is that the, the nuclear family will be the one that would be the best when it came to that. 
what we found is his family structure didn't matter. Um, there was no change whether you came from where whether you are a child of divorce, a child from, you know, mom and dad both at home or a child of a single parent or a child being raised by someone else. None of that mattered when it came to these uh, answers and solutions. So that that to me was the the most surprising one because a lot of research has shown that nature or that nurture matters. You know, how you, how you grew up, you know, and this we find it, it really didn't matter. Dr. Tu, I wanted to ask you about uh, when you look at the research design of the survey questions and that are you said there may be some questions that maybe are not on there that you might want to add later as you expand your sample size out. Could you maybe give some examples? And Alyssa, this is also for you, too, of maybe some of those things you would like to know if you're expanding this research out. The the first thing for me is going to be. I would like we're going to ask some demographic questions. I want to know does race and gender play a role in this? Um, That would be the first thing. You know, another area to me that will always uh, that we'll do some more research on. We ask people what zip code they they graduated high school for where they live and they did that. So one of the things that we have we need to follow up with on that zip code is to include basically a poverty level with that so that we can kind of assume, you know, what what you know are, are they from a very affluent zip code or one with a high level of poverty um trying to find a, a a better way to gauge where they're from where where the you know basically in the nature nurture a better way to gauge the the uh, nature aspect of it what's around them so th- th- that's what i would like to see but then again i i'm an economist so that that's the stuff i care about Right. Alyssa, what do you think? Um, one of the questions that we had on our original survey asked about um, students' access to high-speed internet, and I found the answers kind of surprising. I figured out the answer. I found that kind of surprising that so many students actually had access to high-speed internet in their high school because I came from a really rural area where a lot of students did not. So I think it'd be neat to expand on that and maybe like population aspects of where they came from because I came from a 1A school it's a lot smaller it's a lot um, less densely populated it's a very rural area so maybe having a better comparison for like um, higher and lower population bigger areas stuff like that I think would be a good area to look into right and so are you know are you from like this part of like east Arkansas or another part of the state or maybe an, another state um, I'm from Arkansas. I'm from Norfolk, Arkansas. It's like mm-hmm. north central. There's lakes. <laughs> um, it's a very small area, though. So, and then scarcely populated, I guess. It was a really small school. Uh, sure. And I don't. I really don't think if we had surveyed like people from my high school, I don't think their answers would have been so primarily. Yes, I have high speed internet. So there's probably more to expand on there. And the concern with high-speed internet is I may not know an answer to something, but by golly, I can Google it. And if I have high-speed internet, I'm more likely to Google an answer or, as most people would say, I'm more likely to YouTube and figure out how to do it. Um, 
And so that was kind of what we were using as well as a proxy for that. Right. So how's it been, uh, Alyssa, working with Dr. Tu on this particular research? Um, Dr. Tu is a very good mentor. I don't just say that because he's watching me either. He's a great mentor. Like, I always have a ton of questions because I really don't know what I'm doing. I've never done any of this kind of stuff before. But Dr. Tu is always willing to help me figure it out. Um, and then when I forget how to do something, help me figure it out again. So he's just been very helpful with that and encouraging me to like apply to different conferences and <laughs> shaking his head, <laughs> apply to different conferences and get out there with the research that we're doing. This is killing my reputation. <laughs> right, right. Because we know Dr. Two, how you know your reputation is, is that, you know, it's uh, totally the exact opposite of what she was saying, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> You know, but but seriously, Alyssa is not the first student that we've had that you brought on the Created State podcast. You brought several on and you're doing some really good work here, uh, being able to uh, educate students on, on important topics like these and, and this kind of research. And uh, how is it like working with students like Alyssa on these research projects? I enjoy it a great deal. Um, as I told people numerous times, I have the best job in the world. I'll, I'll never one time complain about my job. Um, sometimes I may complain about people around my job, um, but I will not complain about my job. If I could spend all day with students, it would be awesome. Um, working with Alyssa has been unique this semester in that um, I've had to go back and relearn some statistics that I needed to very quickly. Um, because she's doing regressions and things like that. And I needed to refresh my mind on what we were doing and how to do them. Um, so as, as I've shared, Alyssa is extremely bright, which keeps me on my toes uh, quite a bit. And so I'm always in favor of working with students. I, I think our goal as faculty members should 100% be improve the lives of our students whatever that means if it means helping them get a college degree if it means helping them move on into graduate school law school Alyssa is one of these weird pre-law people that wants to go to law school I don't know why anyone would want to do that but she does um, you know whatever we can do to assist students achieve their next goal their next level um, I think should be our number one goal at A-State among the faculty. And so I, I have a great time with it. Um, so it, today's a rare occasion. I only have one student in my office. The, the right. others are not here today. Usually there's four or five in here. Right, exactly. Now, what it sounds like what you're saying is Alyssa's a glutton for punishment going to the pre-law thing. Is that, That's what it sounded like. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I've, I've asked her. Is there a drinking problem I need to be aware of or something? I don't know why anyone would want to do this. Um, but we have a, a few uh, students this semester who are incoming first years who I'm trying hard to convince to avoid law school, but they, they still want to do it. I don't know why. If someone who's gone through that horrible experience, um, I don't know why anyone would want to, but but they do. So uh, a few of them are you know beginning to do see that there is a benefit to research because that's something they're going to do in law school, whether they want to or not. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're hoping to expand 
the research impact in the Neil Griffin College of Business. Uh, and the good thing is, is we th this incoming class of first year students has has been awesome. Um, and and there's a there's a lot of them who I think will continue to do great things. Alyssa being one of them. Uh, Alyssa, I wanted to ask on, on the, the research that you have been doing so far, how has this made you think about maybe future research projects here at Arkansas State? Oh, I definitely want to continue that. I really enjoy it. Like, I like getting involved in doing, like, trying new things and getting involved academically on campus. But this is probably been, like, one of the, my, my favorite things that I've ever gotten to do. Like, I like learning. So there's that. And I like having an impact. And I feel like I get to do both of those things. And I really enjoy it. So I definitely want to continue doing research. I don't have any specifics in what's next, but I'm excited about it. Alyssa, thank you. Dr. Tu, before we let you run, give us an update on the Scarlet to Black program and how that's been going. We have been doing well with it. Um, we've expanded a little bit of it to where we are doing an after-school program as well, where we are working with uh, students from Jonesboro Public Schools and Brooklyn Public Schools, first grade through sixth grade. Um, rather than trying to teach them financial literacy, which would probably be a losing cause, trying to teach a first grader how to balance a checkbook. Um, instead, we're, we're sneakily teaching them about it. We are teaching them how to uh, run a healthy food cart. So instead of a food truck, they're going to run a healthy food cart. And, and part of that, they need to learn how to budget and price things and budget their money. And they worked on it last semester and they're working on it this semester after school uh, program. And here in about two months, they will actually prepare their foods. Um, currently, I've not unloaded my vehicle yet, but currently in my vehicle, I have about five or six um, toaster ovens. I have four or five air fryers, um, some yogurt makers. So we're going to have little kids learning and cooking and making these things. Um, and then we hope to have some of our different winners at the different schools, the kids who did the best, we're going to invite them on campus uh, here at A-State and the College of Business, and we're going to have them sell their healthy food ideas to college students who need to learn more about healthy food ideas. I talked with Associate Professor of Finance and Director of Undergraduate Student Recruitment, Retention, and Engagement, Dr. Philip Tu. He's also Director of the Scarlet to Black Financial Literacy Program and the Center for Economic Education and Financial Literacy. I also talked to Alyssa Pettit. Pettit is a freshman at A-State and is majoring in finance. Well, you've been listening to A-State Connections and Created State, making connections that count. Make sure you tell others about this segment and subscribe to get future shows and hear previous content wherever you get your podcast. More information is at KASU.org, and you are listening to A-State Connections on KASU.